It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. It's episode number 356. Uh, it is an Articles of News episode, so we will eventually get to those Articles of News. It's me, Richie T. You'll hear me every week when you listen to the Cultural Hall. And then a, uh, ver- a varied cast of characters from all over this fine planet join me for the Articles of News when I do it. Uh, for today's, we travel down to Utah County and Annette Luthi Lyon, which I just love the middle name. Um, because, because it just and I, I can't remember if we've talked about this before but it almost just sounds like I have a lisp or like your middle yep. name got caught in my mouth a little bit uh-huh yeah and it's like Lucy <laughs> did he try and say Lucy and he's you know he needs to drink no, a glass of water yeah. yeah I'm impressed that you know you figured out how to say it the first time so you probably yep. get a lot of Luthy right and Luddy, Luchy, Latchy, yep. all kinds of weird things yeah but the thing is the good thing is is that my dad was a professor at BYU and I went there and it's not the most common of names. And so anyone who saw my name would go, Oh, are you Mel's daughter? I love him. And then they would like me more. Ah, well, so that was awesome. I'm like, it's, it's good to have an unusual name when it's connected to someone people love. So I'm like, yes, I love my dad too. Isn't he great? You know, oddly enough. Uh, so Stedman, a little, maybe more common name uh, as far as a surname, last name. Um, but my grandmother, uh, was a theater teacher for like 35 years and she um she was well respected in her field one like you know teacher of the year and so anytime i perform and people will say oh your last name sedman any relation to mavis same kind of thing it's a it it's a a blessing and sort of a curse because they know that my that my mom or that my grandma rather stood for quite a bit and had a lot of character. So in some in some ways, it's like, oh yeah, I got to make sure because they know I'm a Stedman and they know what Stedman stand for and all those things. So not that I've ever been found necessarily out of that character, but it definitely has been that extra motivation to do so. Um, if people have listened to the cultural hall before, especially your articles of news, they know that you've dropped in a few times previous, but you are an author of many books, many leather bound books. Uh, they, uh, can find them wherever the internet is. Yep. And Amazon's the easiest place to grab them. Just Google my name and there you can, it's, it's easy to find. Uh, so, yeah, my new, I actually just have my newest book just came out the girl in gray and that's the one i've been working on for almost a decade off and on between research and other things it's a world war ii thing and it's set in finland where i have a lot of family heritage and it's just a star a story that's dear to my heart so i'm very excited about that and we could probably start there because you just got back from finland yes i did yes about a week ago talk a little bit about what you were doing back there was it for the book um actually no um i so I have always wanted to bring my kids to Finland. I lived there for three years when I was younger. My parents presided over the mission. So, and I was there from 10 to 13. So that was a time period that was just hugely formative for me. Um, It was, you know, so Finland really has become another home for me. And I've only been back a few times since the eighties, but I've always wanted to bring my kids and, um, so about a year ago, I got to go back with some of my writer friends and I showed them around the sites and I thought, okay, now I know how to get around because I'd never actually navigated Helsinki as, a, as, a, as an adult on my mm-hmm. own. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I knew everything was and I could do these things and now I know how to travel cheaply. Mm. 
So last May, I found some really inexpensive flights and I snagged them and I took my, my daughter um, who turned 17 in September. This was her birthday present to ha- have a week in, in Helsinki with just mom. And, and was it, uh, was it what you'd hoped it would be? It was, you know, it really was. It would have been great to have another day or two, but um, I got to show her all the main stuff, got to show her you know, the, the classic tours, things you have to have seen. In downtown Helsinki, I had to show her, you know, the old mission home and that went to church in the Arl Chapel. That I, we were there for the primary program, which mm. was awesome. <laughs> um, it turns out things like, you know, the one kid who wants to sing louder than everybody else, and the shy kid who won't talk into the mic. That's universal, apparently. Oh yeah, it no, it, it's not just here in the states. It's it everywhere. Great. Yeah, it was the best. Uh, and then we got to do baptisms at the temple. My aunt still lives there, and she was a witness, which was cool with the news policies. Um, stayed with my aunt for a couple of days as well. So my daughter got to meet her and um, my cousin and her kids. And it was, it was such a great trip. It was, and it, honestly, my daughter is, she's the best kind of teenager to travel with. She was fun. She was never snarky. If she ever got tired or whatever, it would just be, okay, I'm, I, I'm, I'm done here. Can we go? And yeah, that was as yeah. grumpy as she got. Like uh. she wasn't snarky or anything. I just was like, you were the perfect travel companion. She's, she's just the best. So it's it was it, awesome. it's interesting. It sort of reminds me when I got done serving my mission and I served in Cleveland, uh, I had my family come out and get me. And I sort of I sort of thought along the same lines that I'd be like, oh, and I'll be able to show you guys these people and these places. And and, uh, you know, one of the things that was in my mission area was Kirtland. So we got to go to that church history site and I, you know, I show my dad and I show my brother that come and they thought that was cool. But a lot of the other time. I noticed that I was like, yeah, and then we went here, and they're like, cool. And I was like, yeah, and then this is where this person lives, and we had this experience. And they're like, cool. And I was like, okay, so is it not cool? And they're like, well, I mean, there's just so much context missing. Like, they yeah. knew, they knew, and they could respect the fact that it was very cool for me, um, but that they just, you know, it wasn't the same as if they had been there. So that's great that yeah. that not only you're able to show her the the city and the country for sure, but uh, that she appreciated it in yes. the way that you would want her to. Exactly. I mean, there there were things that um, she'd only heard about, and so going, oh, now I know these stories, and now I can picture it because I've been there. Hmm. Um, she's she's also a kid who loves experiences, so she warned me ahead of time, like, Mom, I know you love museums, but I don't like to walk around and read little signs of stuff mm-hmm. so i said okay but there's one museum we have to go to and i won't make you stay there long but we have to go to it she's like well okay fine and <laughs> she was the one spending more time reading mom this is did you see this this was cool that's I'm awesome like, what is good. If, if someone uh goes to the country and has a day right they can see one thing what's the thing they have to see one thing um i would say one thing I, I would okay, I would say the the fortress, which is um, they called it the the Gibraltar of the Baltic back in the day. It was built on this island. It's called Suomenlinna now, and um, it was like a military defense post, and it was used by the Swedes and the Russians and during the Crimean War and all kinds of crazy cool stuff. And parts that look like hobbit holes, and you can see the <laughs> ramparts, and they're actually military veterans who live there now. And there's this old massive dry dock where they repair ships, and it's um, there's a, a submarine from World War II you can go into and, and check out. And there's all these really cool things. So just walking around the Fortress Island. Like, cool. Well, that sounds awesome. Yeah. 
You know, I uh, I want to share a couple things with you. First of all, I'll say this: if you're a if you are a uh, Patreon subscriber, and I know you are, and I know I there's a lot of other folks who are, um, but if you are not, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/TheCulturalHall and become one. Um, we shared uh, new and exciting news in there about the fact that our church history tour with Kimura Tours is full. We filled it up. Uh, we're going out the 16th through the 24th of July in 2020. Uh, they are taking a waiting list. I talked to Shannon. He said, you know, we will take some on a waiting list because inevitably one or two or a couple of people will drop out. But uh, if you want to get in on that, you certainly can. But they also let me know that they are uh, opening now another one the week before. So July the 7th through the 15th, if you go to KimuraTours.org, uh, you can get in on that. And uh, this the the seventh uh, through the fifteenth is a family tour. So the one that the cultural hall and our and our friends over at Leading Saints are doing, uh, that's adults only, eighteen plus. This uh, the one the week before will be for family as well. So there's some great ways that you can take you and your family, kind of like what you're talking about, uh, mm-hmm. to be able to see some things, and especially uh, where the Hill Kimura pageant. It has its last reign um, this yep. next summer. You need to check it out. If you've told your family you're going to do it, you've thought, oh, yeah, you know, we'll put, you know, you keep kind of kicking the can down the road. There's no more road. The can will hit the end of the road and you'll go, oh, shoot, I shouldn't have kicked it one more time. Um, yep. And if you talk to the folks at KimuraTours.org, uh, make sure you, that you tell them that you heard about it on the cultural hall. It's KimuraTours.org, or I'll give the phone number and in case people want to jot this down. It's 702 397 883. And uh, you don't have to pay for it all now. I know a lot of people are thinking uh, with the holidays, we're thinking about Christmas gifts. Uh, we're thinking about those experiences. I know a lot of people are emphasizing that over like physical things that you use a couple times and then put away. Why not give your family the gift of, of those early church history sites, places like, um, you know, Kirtland, like Nauvoo, like mm-hmm. um, the Sacred Grove, uh, some other stuff too. We get to see the Canadian side of Niagara Falls. We get oh, to eat some delicious cool. food and stay some great places. So check it out, org. Now, I'll tell you this story, Annette. Uh, two other things that I've been looking forward to share here in the Cultural Hall. I am in the uh, Elders Quorum Presidency. That's not the thing I've been excited to tell people. That's been <laughs> that way for a while. But I, uh, I taught... Um, I taught Elders Quorum a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we do the thing where, you know, you teach a little bit from Come Follow Me, but then you also pick a talk from uh, the previous general conference, and you sort of elaborate and apply it and all that stuff. And it always is the same case with our Elders Quorum, where we send out the email midweek, and uh, nobody reads it, and uh, we say within that email, this is the talk we're going to be talking about. Uh, make sure that you've read it and get prepared. And so comes to that Sunday and I say, hey, everyone, I picked um, Sister Alberto's talk from uh, Women's Conference. Are you familiar with it? Um, yes. Oh, goodness. I love her talk. Yeah. So Sister Alberto's talk is for people who don't know or haven't listened. First of all, let me say just like the email that you won't read says, <laughs> go back and listen to it or read it uh, in your 
your LDS tools or your, you know, your, your scriptures that you can get on your phone that has a general conference talks. But she talks a lot about, um, like mental illness. She talks, um, specifically, she talks about how her father died by suicide. And this is part of the women's, uh, session of general conference. And so, um, conference talking about suicide. Yeah. Yeah. Big deal. Yeah. I can't remember another time it's been done. Um, not to mention, I, I felt like it's, uh, it's something that could deserve some more awareness. Um, and so I just wanted to, to bring it to light. Now, uh, I get to class and knowing that most of the people hadn't heard it, I decided to do the thing that we are told not to do, which is play the talk. So, uh, I brought, you know, one of those, like a Bose speaker so I could play it so everybody could hear it. And I turned out the lights. So we're, we're in like the extension of the cultural hall. So it gets pretty dark because there's no windows. There's no light to be, to be seen into that room. It gets pretty dark. And we listen to the talk. It's about 11 minutes, I think. 11 minutes and 30 seconds, if I remember exactly. And, uh, you know, Sister Alberto, as you probably guess, speaks with an accent. It speaks very clearly, uh, and it's a great talk. Mentions the, the her father's death by suicide. Mentions that you know when we um, when we go to the doctor to get medication for diabetes, that we don't shame people. You know, for those things, uh, all, all the kind of I think uh, modern day accepted discussions around. Uh, mental illness, but in a direct way saying, hey, you know what? You're not broken. Uh, you know, God loves you. And then she relates it to the to the um, parable with Christ about the people who came to Christ and were healed, um, that there were people that happened to be in the path of Christ and were healed. And then there were some who had to be carried to Christ to be healed. And that's important because I'll tell you what happened. So I teach this lesson and I, and, and, you know, we listen to the talk and then we flip the lights back on and, and that in and of itself is sort of symbolic, right? We're coming out of the darkness and, and turning on the lights and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm feeling particularly happy with myself. And then we start kind of a round table discussion, right? Uh, an opportunity for everyone to share. And, um, and I, and I mean, I guess it would go something like this, like Annette, is, is this something that, uh, that you yourself have ever dealt with or do you know someone who has? That's the question you would ask. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, and I'm genuinely asking, like, is this something that impacts yeah. your life personally in one way or another? One way or another. Yeah. I've known people who've lost loved ones to suicide. Some very close to me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know many people who have been very, um, clinically depressed and suicidal. Right. Absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so it, it becomes this very open, um, this very open discussion where like one guy, he shares that, uh, you, you know, his wife, uh, has, w has been clinically depressed for years and years. And, you know, it's sort of, um, devolved into, um, bipolar or manic depressive. Right. And, mm -hmm. and so he talks about how, you know, some of the people in the family have just been like, Oh, you know, she gets depressed and that's sad, but it's so much better than when she gets manic. So just let her sleep. And, you know, he's just sharing these very vulnerable things. And then uh, another person in the class um, talks about how he himself had had suicidal thoughts. 
and how he had struggled and, you know, between medication and being able to, to see a, a counselor and, and receive some therapy, how he continues to struggle, um, but that it's a positive struggle. And day after day, he, he finds it to be not a little easier, but but sees the benefit to continue living. Yes. So mm-hmm. so it's this amazing, open, you know, loving discussion surrounding uh Sister Borto's talk. And then about three minutes before the end of the class, uh, someone raises their hand. And I'm thinking, you know what? Wrap it out. You're fe- you're feeling good. This has been a good class so far. You know, I'm bracing myself. You're, yeah. And I said, you know, but, yeah, but, you know, this person doesn't often share. I can tell that he's eager to share. So, okay, you, you person. Uh, what would you like to say? And he raises his hand and he says, you know, I just have to say something. And I was like, okay, <laughs> here it goes. He says, I just have to say, I've been listening to y'all talk about this. And, and I just think y'all are a bunch of idiots. <laughs> and and no. I just was like, oh, come on. And he's like, yeah, y- y'all, y'all are just a, a bunch of just idiots if you just if you would just stop worrying about yourself and start yeah. and start thinking of other people i think you'd find yourself in in a whole better world uh, than what you find yourself in right now oh, and and, I, and and in a way that i have not felt probably in oh i don't know maybe even since my mission uh in this way that you just felt like a vacuum suck the spirit out of the room. I just was like, Oh, come on. And so, you know, because we're a class where we feel like everyone can sort of share their opinion or whatever, I knew that something like that would sort of incite several people on the other side. So, Uh but, but we're at the end of class and I'm also respective to the end of time. And so I, I, you know, I, I grabbed a microphone because we have some people that are hard of hearing within our class. And I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to lovingly push back and I'm going to say that that I don't necessarily agree completely uh, with what you're saying because I feel like Christ, he healed those who came to him to be healed and that he came, he healed those that were along his path that he healed. And then he also healed those who had to be brought with them because they didn't have the strength to do it themselves. And he loved them all equally. He didn't say, I'm going to give you a little bit more healing or a little bit more blessing because you came to me, you know, this way, as opposed to this other guy who came to me that way. And, 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 you know, it's no sort of like, ha ha, I showed him at the end, but I just was like, why can't we have nice things? (laughs) I'm so glad you said that though, because that's that's exactly right. And what a beautiful way to put it. I haven't thought of it you know, in terms of Christ blessing those who were literally carried to him and those who flocked to him because they could. Um, it just reminds me of a little bit. I was thinking that, well, first off, the episode with Brother Kyle, how awesome was that? Yeah. Um, and how many, like, I would never have guessed based on what I've heard on the show that he had ever struggled with depression mm-hmm. or suicidal ideation. Um, so I wanted to give him a hug, except he probably wouldn't appreciate the hug. But, no, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't like touching. <laughs> no, I, 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 I gathered, um, but you know, and I, I've dealt with depression on some level most of my life as well, and I've never been straight up suicidal. But I, 
um, dark times when I've had suicidal thoughts just kind of flip through my brain and go, oh, and then it's like a moment of, oh, things are worse than I thought. I need to get help. Yeah. Um, so I'm grateful that I, I've never been shamed thinking, oh, I, if I just serve others more, if I just pray more, that I somehow, I don't, not, I don't know if I can, who I can credit that with, but so, somehow I was taught that it's not shameful. But then, you know, and then that, that poor comment at the end of your lesson, though, if only he could have been like, there's just one um, gentleman in my ward who he has very publicly in, in gospel doctrine said, I don't understand depression. Yeah. I don't get it. Um, but he's also, he also says in the same breath, I know what's real. I know it is real. And I have a daughter who struggles with it, but so I can't just, just brush it aside. I just, I personally don't understand it, but I know it's real. And so I, I really appreciate that because just because he doesn't have his own context, and his own understanding doesn't mean it's therefore, you know, we can just brush it aside. Yeah. Obviously that's not the case. Yeah. There's a certain amount of compassion or certainly empathy that you need to have with that. And and I think, you know, going along with that guy in your ward, I, depression for me, isn't a thing that I've dealt uh, with in a, in a, in a, in a very, um, I shouldn't say not a serious manner. Cause if it's ever occurred, it, it there have been very brief bouts for me and it's sort of situational depression mm -hmm. where I just kind of heap things onto myself. Um, but but by no means like um, like a seasonal depression or like a, or a clinic depression like some people. And so when I hear about how some people feel within that, like I, I, I don't know how, how to connect, but I, I definitely recognize it to be a real thing and and nothing to be ashamed of and 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 know that, uh, you know, anything short of just loving that person is not going to help that person. Amen. So Amen. so. Well so yeah, I thought that to be a sort of a funny story, uh, and in, in its sadness and in its, of course that happened kind of way. Um, the other thing that I'll share just briefly, and then we'll take a break and we'll come back and do the second half with actual articles of news is, uh, my poor dog, Robert the Poodle, he, uh, he got, uh, he got groomed the other day and they oh, nicked, they, they oh. nicked it. They nicked his dew claw, I think is what it's called. And, uh, and so he had to have surgery and they had to wrap up his little foot and it's snowing here in Utah. So now when I take him on a walk, I have to wrap his little wrapped foot in a baggie with rubber bands around it. And when we're not around, he has to wear the cone of shame. And here's the deal. Here's the deal with the cone of shame, you dog owners, uh, or non dog owners, I guess. Cause I think dog owners probably get this. It is harder on the human than uh -huh. it is on the dog, I think, for the cone of shame. Yeah. I don't it's, think they like it. Yeah. But but it's just so sad as as I leave him, you know, like to come out here and, and into the homesteadio and to record this episode, I had to put the cone of shame on so he didn't get into his stitches. And I just like he just looks up at me like, Daddy why are you doing that? And I know he's not thinking that because he's not a human. He doesn't have those sort of thoughts, but I'm just like, yeah, I know I get it. I get it. And I'm sorry. And I'll give you an extra helping at dinner. And I, you know, maybe I'll sneak you a hot dog. I'm so sorry. Here's the cone of shame. So here's, I, I'm trying to picture going on a walk with a little baggie over his paw uh -huh. and then going on like snow. And then he slips and it like starts flying. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sliding all over the place. But so he's a so he's a, a rescue and he had never he was a California dog. 
They brought him in from California because uh-huh. California, um, they have too many pets, so they'll kill. And Utah is a no-kill state, so if we, I don't know how inventory on these things sort of uh, works, but um, because he's a, uh, I can't think of what it's called. If they're not allergic, they're um, or- yeah, hypoallergenic. Since he's a hypoallergenic dog, I guess there was not very many uh, in shelter here, so Utah felt like they could take some on from California, so they brought him over. So this is his first winter and his first experience with snow. So that baggie isn't stopping him. <laughs> That's awesome. Just he he just loves it and licks it like, you know, what is this? And everything is new. And he hops and I'll, I'll maybe I'll get a video and share it. Uh, like when our, our we, have, we have a golden retriever and when she her first winter and she's like bounding through the snow, just absolute joy. It was the cutest thing ever. Yeah, yeah melt your heart. Something to be thankful for, perhaps. Uh, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll do actual articles of news. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and Internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Hey, this is Dan, the Laptop Man from PC Laptops. Are you experiencing panic attacks, nausea, or diarrhea? Is your computer not turning on? Is it running super slow? Is your internet crawling? Or is it just randomly crashing? You could be suffering from ICS, Irritable Computer Syndrome. I want you to ask yourself, when was the last time you had your PC cleaned? Over time, Windows, updates, spyware, malware, and dangerous viruses will make your computer run like crap. You need to bring in your laptop or desktop PC, no matter what brand it is, and let me run a 100% free virus scan, malware, and spyware scan on your computer. Don't wait and risk losing everything. Now, why are we doing this for free? Because we want to impress you so much that if you or any of your friends or family need a computer, service, or phone repair, you come to PC Laptops first. Get into any one of our locations right now or check us out at PCLaptops.com. PC Laptops, where computers start at $7.99. PC Laptops, we love you. I want to take a quick second and talk to you about Best DJ in Utah now in its second year. Last year, I went to Washington to Roche Harbor and did a gorgeous wedding. This year, I'm slated to go to Moab to go to Denver to do weddings. And guys, it couldn't be going any better. Thanks in large part to folks like yourself, people who are listening to this and say, you know what, I need a wedding or a mobile DJ for something. And then reach out to me. You can go to bestdjinutah.com. You can find me on all the social medias at Richie T. Stedman, or you can certainly just send me an email. Richie, R-I-C-H-I-E-T as in tough guy, Stedman, S-T-E-A-D-M-A-N at gmail.com. I would love to see what I could do to make you your event that much better. Whether it's a party or the biggest day of your life, you need the best DJ in Utah. And like I said, it doesn't have to be in Utah. It can just be the best DJ in Utah. I don't know. Now we start to get into like the technical things. It's bestdjinutah.com. The Cultural Hall wants you to help Utah Food Bank fight hunger statewide. Through your donations of food, time, or money, Utah Food Bank is able to distribute over 31 million meals annually to Utahns facing hunger. Even a $1 donation can be turned into $7.35 of goods and services. 
One in five children in Utah could go to bed hungry tonight, and 423,000 Utahns are unsure where their next meal will come from. By donating food at your local pantry or by visiting utahfoodbank.org, you can make a difference. It's time for the second half of Articles of News, wherein we do actual Articles of News. Hit it, Peter. You can't lose Articles of News. A uh, couple of uh, promotional things here within the cultural hall. One, Molly Jenny, uh, you were saying that you just saw this on Twitter. I saw this. She's all over the place on this proxy giving machines. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time going into it, but she is um, for these giving machines that there's one in Salt Lake. There's one in Utah County. Um, there's 10 in total across the world. Uh, she is going to be going to the ones in Salt Lake County and the ones in Utah County. And if you are somewhere that there isn't a giving machine, but you would like to make a donation through a giving machine, uh, you can go to pro at proxy giving machine or machines on Instagram. You can find her and she has it set up so that you can send her money via Venmo or some other sort of cash app. She said she'll even take a check. Then she does a video where she takes your money and she puts it into the machine and she buys things like a goat or water or socks or whatever the things are in the giving machine that day. So uh, it's at Proxy Giving Machine if you want to do something like that. And again, speaking of the holidays, uh, our friend Susie Bullock, who uh, we had here on the Cultural Hall probably back in episode like 150, um, she is the founder of Hey Grill Hey. You may have seen her on Food Network. Um, she is a barbecue specialist, and with her company, the Patio Provisions, which is at patio-provisions.com, uh, you can um, get 25% off all of your orders um, for the holiday season. So what the deal is, you have to put in the promo code BACKROW, and you get 25% off all orders. Now, they do a, a gift box with three seasonings and three sauces, which is a perfect gift if you have someone in your life that just loves grilling in the barbecue. It's very delicious. They have it kind of designated out for like, uh, I want to say they have like a pork, a beef, and then a chicken or a poultry, um, and then a bunch of different sauces as well. You can find it all at patio-provisions.com and make sure that you use the code BACKROW so that they know that you heard about it from us and that uh, also so you get that 25% off. Do you want to take the first news story? Sure. So one, I, I just found this, uh, I believe it was just yesterday. Um, this is long piece by Josh Weed, who um, got virally famous on his 10th anniversary when he and his wife um, jointly wrote and published a blog post um, when he came out as gay. And you know, she knew he was gay when they got married and they were saying this is, you know, don't try this at home, but it works for us or whatever. Um, we fast forward about six years, I think. Um, they have now split, but it's an amicable split. They are divorced, but they're living together in the same house, raising their daughters. Um, and so this new piece he has out um, was about his uh, foray into dating uh, men as a gay man for the first time. So, and it's fascinating on several levels. One that was interesting was talking about how like literally he was like a 13 year old when it came to anything romantic because he had always, he had never allowed himself to feel anything toward anyone um, sexually or whatever, or romantically at all his entire life. So now he's 37 years old 
Um, and you know, there's a brush of the hand and suddenly he feels tingles and he goes, that's what that TV show is about. That's what that <laughs> Ron was. I get it now. Um, so he has a boyfriend. They've been dating for a couple of years. And, um, at this point, I think they're planning on being together and, but he and his wife, Lolly, or his ex-wife, Lolly, um, they plan to build a, or buy a bigger house. And she apparently has a relationship as well. So in theory, we'll have two, two uh, the ex, the parents with new partners, and raising their four daughters under the same roof, which is actually kind of remarkable. Yeah, it's an interesting situation for sure. Like how you would navigate that, and and you know, having myself come through a divorce, there there are hurt feelings on some level. So it'd be interesting to to find out from them how they feel like they've healed and how um, they're able to do that. And I know a lot of people do a lot of sacrifices for their kids but that to me just seems so hard you know oh, at, yeah. le at least on one of the partners right like one is like sure no let's do that but it seems to me like that that one partner would would have had a harder time with it and uh and and struggled yeah. or had more hurt or more healing or or something along the way that would have just yeah, made that more difficult he kind of touches on that a little bit in that it was only as he's he, he found um you know romantic love of his own he was showering one day thinking about how great his boyfriend is. And then it dawned on him. This is what his wife had tried to give him for so many years. This was what he could not give her. And he, and he started to understand just how much pain she had been in their mm. entire marriage, mm. which I thought was so incredibly cool. So he just says like, you know, it's the, the last little part. Um, he says most wonderfully and in its own way, sadly of all. I have recently had the great privilege of watching as the final paragraph of the email I shared above has taken place. I won't read that because Lolly, my very best friend and the woman I love most on this planet has fallen in love with a good man who can return the gift of her beautiful affections. Um, and he says, I'm so happy for her. And I just, he's just so sad that he says, I could not have been the man to give her the gift of requited love, no matter how hard I tried. Yeah. And he only now understands that only now does he get she made um, to marry him in the first place yeah so, and, and on some level that's sort of a sweet a sweet kind of devotion and love to know that right yeah absolutely and first, i think it's, it's got to be validating for her to finally have him say you know what i didn't get it yeah so what you were going through uh anyway, there, really cool. I, it's funny to me as we as we talk about this to know that we haven't ever had the weeds here in the cultural hall i'm gonna have to get on that a little bit more actively uh if if people uh, have any sort of contact with them, you can always email us, contact at theculturalhall.com. And it's a great segue to let people know uh, if you listen to this and you're like, oh, you know who would make such a great episode is me. And you can reach out that way. Or you can say, is my neighbor? Or is this guy in my ward? Or even if you don't have a contact to that person, say, oh, this would make such a great episode. I love that. It's it, it's surprising to me how many of the episodes of the cultural hall that we do come from listeners recommendations and you know I'll, I'll do as many of them as i can it's funny to me how i will notice that some of my favorite episodes are ones that when i heard it and and saw who people recommended i was kind of like oh, okay that might be good or i'm not really sure or even yeah that's not going to be any good and then i do the episode and go oh oh you know that's that's really good. I'm glad that that person recommended that. So that's contact at theculturalhall.com. A little bit of a lighter story. LDS Living has a story out about uh, 
what you need to know before you see Frozen 2. <laughs> oh, no. Have you seen it yet? I've not, but I've heard some very good things about it. So I'm embracing myself. Uh, yeah, and, I'll, and no spoiler. So everyone can uh, be just fine with what I'm about to say. Uh, I just, you know, I, I understand that they want... Um, that they want to be able to be topical and to give recommendations. And, you know, not everyone can spend the time uh, on the Internet to know about it. But like here's an here's an interesting uh, example uh, of one of the things that they say that I'm just like, OK, OK. All right, LDS Living. It says is so the big heading is, is it OK for your kids? And then in parentheses, it says PG and it says the sequel is quite dark, depressing and maybe even a little scary compared to the first movie. There's no profanity, although Olaf refers to a turtle's rear end. There are kissing and hugging scenes. As we learned from the first movie, everyone likes warm hugs. There's a discussion of death and in, implied death, you know, all the all these things. And I'm just like, you know, OK, really? OK, OK. All right. Thank you for the review. And and to those who uh, appreciate those. OK, great. I'm glad I'm glad that they're there. Uh, I'm glad that they have. um a place to be able to lean on that. But for me, I'm just like, okay, first of all, it's Disney, a billion dollar company who's not going to make a movie for kids that isn't for kids. And maybe that's yeah. putting too much trust in it. But secondarily, like they have tested it. <laughs> they have put it before audiences before. And if it was really that dark or really that depressing, I can guarantee you that there would be a recut or a change or a different rating. They wouldn't try and, and pitch it towards that. But if have you heard any of the music from Frozen 2? Not yet. I've been trying to kind of not hear anything. I don't want to ruin it for myself, but okay. a good friend told me about one of the new songs and yeah. how she was crying, how powerful it was about not knowing how she'll get to the end, but the next step, the next right thing or something like that. Yeah. So okay. Great. Well, it, if you don't want it to be ruined, I will just say that the soundtrack for Frozen 2 uh, for anyone who knows me and my love of particular artists who participated oh. in the soundtrack, I absolutely loved it. Oh, good. Haven't it's seen, good. haven't seen the movie. Love the soundtrack. Excellent. I have, I did hear one little bit about, um, the soundtrack in the sense of some of the, um, the, uh, what do you call it? The indigenous music that they used from the Sami people from the Nordic countries, which oh, is cool. Yeah, apparently. So it's this, this whole group of people kind of goes into a covers like Norway, Sweden and Finland, kind of the Lapland area. Um, and that's kind of where, um, oh, is it Christoph? This, uh, his clothes are kind of reminiscent of that. And so when they realized that some of the backstory and some of the story itself would involve some of those areas and those people, Disney actually made a contract with the tribal elders to actually make sure they did it well and did it respectfully. That's awesome. So that, some of the music is Sami. It's traditional folk stuff, which I thought was really cool. So very cool. Good. Oh, Disney. I'm glad to know that. Yeah. Uh, what news story do you have next? Uh, the next one I have up here is just an update they had to the Missionary Handbook. This is the first one in about 10 years. Um, so the thing I found interesting was the specific uh, changes, which are additions about enhanced safety. Okay, um, go, go into it a little bit. What was that? I say go into it a little bit, elaborate okay. a little bit. So he talks about um, missionaries are directed to a series of videos 
about safety topics. There's guidelines about um, to help, help missionaries become more culturally aware and sensitive of where they're serving and those people. Um, also, they outline policies regarding the use of technology, which I imagine has changed a ton in the last 10 years. Um, and also suggests ways to manage stress and help with mental health challenges, which as we know has become a bigger issue as the years have gone on. Mm -hmm. um, it also formalizes the new missionary communication policy, which is almost a year old now where missionaries could call home once a week and on special days, like birthdays and holidays, and not just twice a year. Um, and you know, doing text messages and all of that. And then also there's an online document that's a supplement apparently giving additional um, details for health, safety, proper use of technology and missionary leadership responsibilities. And then the article ends with enjoy your missionary experience as you love God and your neighbor. That's mm -hmm. one of the ends of the handbook. This is a time to rejoice and to experience lasting happiness and peace through Jesus Christ. Yeah. So some needed, some needed updates. I'm glad that safety is a concern and as well as respecting and understanding the culture that you serve in. That's huge. Yeah, I, it's interesting for me because no matter what, with the internet, you always have a, well, it took them long enough. Well, I can't believe, you know, well, <laughs> yep. of course we need to play, pay more attention to their safety. And, and to me, I, I just think, man, awesome. How cool that they're continually updating these things and that there are uh, issues and concerns that are new within safety, specifically online safety, that didn't exist 10 years ago and that, and that we need to have these things updated. And, you know, they have to make sure both from a legal standpoint within the church that they get it right and then you know, whether it's, it's just doctrinal or procedural that they have it as a best practice. It takes, it takes a long time to get things moving, but. Well, and, and especially a policy that will work across countries mm -hmm. and I mean, all kinds of different things. And you, when you realize just how big the church is, I mean, it's, it's huge. And so it takes a long time to make sure that we're, they're covering their bases. It's not just Utah people and it's not just the U.S. either. Yeah. So, that's, yeah but that's... they're doing it. We're heading the right direction. That's good stuff. Now, so it's just so that I understand now, it's the mission handbook like what you would put in your pocket, or is it yeah. like the mission handbook like what you would study in the morning, like what we used to call the old purple dinosaur? I thought it was the little white handbook you put in your pocket. And, that, that was my understanding. and that's how I understood it as well. So I just wanted to make sure as people are, are uh, picturing it in their mind, it's not like the preach my gospel type yeah. book. It's the, it's the list of rules, and we still can't swim because Satan owns the water. Yep. <laughs> oh, and I thought there's actually a picture here with some sister missionaries holding it. And then it's little, it's little tiny. So yeah, it definitely is the little white book. You know, I, I, I don't think I've shared this story in the cultural hall, but perhaps I have. And, uh, if I have, forgive me, it's been a while when I was serving my mission in Cleveland. Um, I can't even remember. I think it was a Buca de Beppo, but it, it doesn't matter. It's an Italian restaurant. That's how much as much as I remember. But there was a big tour bus out front. And I don't think it was Britney Spears, but I remember it was someone uh, like a Britney Spears, right? Like a uh, a teeny bopper kind of um, performer. This is the late 90s, early 2000s, who was touring the country on a bus. And she happened to be at the same restaurant that this family had taken us for dinner. And I remember um, specifically, and this will give you an indication of... Uh, it's not only my sort of humor, but my respect for some things. There's the page within the missionary handbook that says, um, you know, 
keep an arm's distance from members of the opposite sex. Well, mm -hmm. when I met whoever this was, and I actually, I have a picture as well. I should go back and find who this artist was because I'm guessing it's someone who's famous now or who had a stint in being famous. I flipped to the page <laughs> about interaction with the opposite sex and I had her sign that page in my <laughs> missionary handbook. Oh, I love it. That's and, hilarious. And then we got a picture and... I, I don't know that I still have. I, I got to think that I do have it somewhere. But to find both that picture and figure out whose signature it was that I got that day at the Buca de Beppo in like Westlake, Ohio. So funny. Awesome. Just a just a dumb story. Um, this one, not a dumb story. This is the uh, this shows you the impact of activism. This is um, a uh, an article, although you can find this all over the place. This one happens to be from the Salt Lake Tribune about the BYU-Idaho um, Medicaid yeah. uh, disaster. Now, yeah, do you do you feel like you have a, a pretty good grasp on it so you can explain um, what the initial decision why, by BYU-Idaho was? What, the why or just what the decision was? Like, like uh, initially what they had said that they were going to do. Okay. So initially it came up, at, so they changed policy all of a sudden to, um, as of a few weeks ago, um, could have Medicare account for their insurance requirements. Suddenly, we're told, never mind, a, a Medicaid cannot count any longer. Um, and when that was confirmed, then um, they the, the reasoning was asked for. The only thing they said was, oh, well, they were said it came from Salt Lake, but then no one would actually confirm that. And then they also said it's, it's because there's Medicaid is expanding in this area of Idaho, and we don't want to overwhelm the medical professionals and then it started spiraling out of control from there. Right. And, and additionally interesting is that BYU Provo still accepted Medicaid. There wasn't a change uh -huh. there. Um, but BYU sort of, they made this announcement. There really wasn't a great excuse for it. It was going to make health insurance uh, for several hundreds of BYU-Idaho mm -hmm. students uh, unattainable and, and essentially uh, make it so that some of these students couldn't even attend school anymore yeah, or certainly yeah, not they, they did, yeah in some cases it was okay well show us you know all of the, the, these records to prove how much money you have and you how much money you don't have what things you, you'd be willing to sell um and then maybe we'll give you some loans to pay for the health insurance so they're like wait you want me to be poor show how poor i am so you give me more money to be poor even though i don't need the insurance because i have insurance mm -hmm. It got ridiculous. It was, and no one had talked to doctors in the area. They were saying the medical community would be overwhelmed and they talked to doctors and they're like, no, we wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. No, we'll be <laughs> fine. We'll be fine. People, not a big deal. So it, so there was a protest group set up. It, then we, they found out that the student newspaper had a gag order, um, which was viewed obviously as not cool. Yeah, a censorship. Basically, the, the school newspaper wanted to say, hey, here's what we're finding out about it. And the uh, administration at the at BYU-Idaho said, no, you're not. You're not going to print that. No, mm -hmm. you won't. And then that just, you know, put gas on that fire. Um, yeah. In Jana Reese's article, though, she points out a couple of things um, that she takes as positive things from this interaction. And I thought this was both interesting, but also well done as well. She, she quotes the uh, announcement from Monday that says the well-being of our students and their families. This is the uh, announcement from the church 
uh, via BYU-Idaho. It says, the well-being of our students and their families is very important to us. We are grateful for the feedback we've received from our campus community and for the input of the local uh, medical community. We apologize for the turmoil caused by our early decision. So Janum goes to great lengths to say, guys, see this for what this is. This is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints through BYU-Idaho, obviously, apologizing for something, saying, hey, we did something and we need to apologize for said thing. That's pretty yeah. remarkable. I think that's big. And I, I personally, I have no way to for sure back this up, but I, from everything I've read, I don't think this was a directive from Salt Lake. And when Salt Lake heard about it, they're like, um, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Especially because BYU Provo, BYU Hawaii, this was a, a, a very specific to Rexford. Um, and on top of that, it, there had been, you know, people, some people who were just outraged over the idea of Medicaid spreading in their area. So they think it might have been connected with some of those people who were just anti-Medicaid. So yeah. anyway, hey. so I, whatever, however it happened, it was fixed. And I'm, I'm grateful. And then the second thing that she cites uh, as a hopeful sign is that uh, BYU-Idaho explicitly acknowledged that it had responded to the critical feedback that it had received from the students, saying, Mm -hmm. we appreciate this feedback which you gave us and are apologizing and are switch in this narrative of this particular um, cause, this, you know, changing to not accepting Medicaid to now re-accepting it again, is because of the feedback we got from you empowering those that um, th- that spoke out to know that their voice matters. Two very positive things for the church. Very, very positive, yeah. That's, that's hopeful. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Pretty- Good stuff. Pretty awesome. I know our time is a little bit short. There's one more I want to get to. You have that article about the conversion therapy. Yeah, that, that's kind of brief. Um, but so there was a, a bill that was um, proposed in the Utah legislature about banning conversion therapy. And the church came out against it specifically, though, saying the way it's phrased actually is in protecting therapists and families in other ways. So it wasn't because we don't like we don't want conversion therapy, but we don't want that that particular bill. And mm-hmm. people kind of ran with that, saying that the church is for conversion therapy, which is not the case. But um, now we have a new bill that um, the church does support, and Governor Herbert is very much on board with. And it's um, it seems like the entire Utah legislature is on board, and they're urging everyone to then to pass it so that they can help the LGBTQ youth across our state and and lower the suicide rates and all of that stuff. So yay! Another positive. Well, and one of the things that I love is uh, Troy Williams, who happens to be the head of um, the Utah Equality. Is that what it's called? Equality Utah. There it is. I knew it was. In, I knew it was in my brain somewhere. Like he he talked about how um, that they weren't going to give up, and and when he said they, he means both the Equality Utah and uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints that they were not going to give up on uh, coming to an agreement that. Um, that that made sense for both parties. That was encouraging. That was um helpful. That was healthful for for folks. And and to know that um, you know, people give Utah a hard time. And I recognize that the cultural halls for everyone. And hello, all you folks in England who listen. And you're like, what is this? Why are we talking about this? Uh, you know, the church the church is fairly outspoken about LGBTQ issues. But the fact is. 
Um, to ban conversion therapy, Utah is only the ninth, nineteenth state in the United States to wow. ban it. To ban it, I, there, I there are still thirty-one states who do not have a ban against it. And so, as much as people like to go, oh, the church, you know, they keep they keep us in the backwoods, and we, oh, why can't we ever evolve? And blah blah blah. You know what? We're we're in the top forty percent. As far as the states go, and I know people will argue, well, nah, not the top 10. Why are we not leading out? Why? Well, oh. we're so behind in so many other, you know, categories that this is pretty remarkable to be. And that that, that half of things, that's yeah. huge. Yeah. Yeah. Just massive. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah. And uh, and and I think kind of here in the last uh, waning moments, you know, we're recording this right before Thanksgiving. So a thought of, of thankfulness. What are you thankful for? What are you thinking of as you celebrate Thanksgiving this, this week? Yeah, I am just, I more and more, my dad just turned 83 and he's starting to slow down a bit. And so I am more and more grateful that he's doing well, that I had him as a father, you know, that he is, we have a good relationship that he's nearby. He's still with us. I just, I I, um, I just am I'm amazed the more older I get, the more I realize what an amazing set of parents I had. You know, I'm, I really am like Nephi. I had, I was born of goodly parents and I, yeah. I credit them with a ton and I'm grateful for them and my kids. I, they're becoming remarkable adults and human beings. That's awesome. You know, yeah. and this is going to be super cheesy. So cue eye roll everyone listening. But uh, to me, it has struck me more in 2019 than ever before how grateful I am Um for the cultural hall, for for the people who are panelists, people like yourself, who we would probably not know each other uh, without, or certainly not in 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 this way, um, to people who are listening, to people that I would have never had the opportunity to meet. I mentioned those people uh, that live in England. You know, the Spores family. The, um, there's Robert Casey who lives in Florida. These are just a couple of names that I'm dropping. Um, Andrew Mayer, another one. The, these individuals who um, are are just amazing, and there's so many people who listen to this show, who reach out, who say that really touched me. To Brother Kyle, I knew Brother Kyle uh, not within the realms of the cultural hall, but I can guarantee you that without the the, uh, the bones, the structure of the cultural hall, I would have never known um, the the depth of the person that he is, the struggles that he's had, and the triumphs that he's had, and um, you know, as I think about the time and the attention and how sometimes I'm I'm spot on and we're always getting episodes out and other times it wanes a little bit. I'm just incredibly grateful for anyone who has any sort of part uh, of the cultural hall of of helping it to get to other folks, of just listening, of sending an email, of of suggesting a guest, of of being on an episode like you are. Um, it, it it makes me. I'm tremendously humbled, but also really, really grateful for for so many people who who want to be here, who who believe in the gospel, and and maybe we have questions, or maybe we have things that that we struggle with, or that we don't understand, but that we know we can come to this place and and be able to talk about it, and and feel like we're not alone, and and be able to hear friends week after week, and so I'm super thankful for that. Uh, I hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body. We hope that if you are sick or afflicted and have been unable to listen this week, that you'll be well enough to listen next week. And that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, we'll be saving a seat for you. On the back row. Of the cultural hall.
Fade me a seat, it's sure to be neat. On the back row, we read.